0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Welcome to Cash Considerations, the Chicago Bulls podcast. I'm Ricky O'Donnell. I'm here with Jason Pat. We're not talking about Russell Westbrook going to the Bulls, Jason, because Russell Westbrook just got traded to the Houston Rockets. Uh, absolutely wild.
2: Uh, reuniting with James Harden. How about that? All the reporting of the last couple days was like, oh, Westbrook to Miami, and he liked some picture on Instagram, and I think Brian Windhorst claimed that the Heat were on top of his list, and now he's going to the Rockets uh, to play with James Harden again. Kind of a funny story uh i went, was in target when this trade went down when the woe drum came across i was at target today just picking up some stuff after the gym and i saw a dude that looked exactly like james harden i don't think it actually was james harden because i don't know why the hell james harden would be in a lakeview target by himself buying i don't even couldn't even tell what about but the dude looked just like him he had the same beard he was tall uh lo- looked like him in the face like it was kind of fucking crazy and then because then i just looked at my phone while like i was gawking at this guy thinking it was james harden and Russell Westbrook to the, the Rockets. Yeah, there was kind of a, a lot of stuff uh, just kind of on Bulls Twitter in the last uh, couple days once uh, there was the, the Paul George bomb and he was gone, and once we found out that Russell Westbrook was working, were angling to get out of Oklahoma City, like, should the Bulls trade for Russell Westbrook? Obviously, they can't do it now, but, I mean, there was a lot of conversation. Uh, Russ is very... Very polarizing. At that, he's always been polarizing, and this past season was one of his worst seasons in a long time. He's thirty years old. He's got a lot of miles on him. The way he plays, you don't know how he'll age. Like, although that, okay, so the trade has happened. The Bulls are not trading for him. John Paxson basically said this morning as well that they weren't going to do it. I still think let's talk about a little the possibility of should the Bulls have put more of an effort into getting what Russell Westbrook. Like I, 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 I like go, go kind of back and forth on it. I see it both ways. I understand Russell Westbrook still is a very good player, even if he had a down season. I know he was injured a bit. I think he had some surgeries at the end of the year to I think, fix some of that stuff. He's like I said, he's 30, he's been around a while, but that's still not that old. Like he still averaged a triple-double for a third straight season, while some of that is just pure volume and stat padding kind of stuff. I mean, he's still a really good player. The Thunder were a good team, although they flamed out again. Uh what I mean, what would you just I guess if the Bulls were actually going after him? Like, what would you have given up if? if he was uh, available for the bulls
1: man i i just want to talk about westbrook on the rockets right now man like what are your initial thoughts on that trade because uh to me it's like there's so much crazy action throughout the nba offseason i felt like daryl Morey just was going to do something right like no way was Morey going to be quiet while everyone else was making moves around him. And the Rockets, just with the idea of the Rockets like running it back, it just didn't feel right to me. I thought they would make some kind of move. This one's totally crazy. I mean, my initial reaction to it is that I don't know if they're going to be better. Like To me, Westbrook provides no value playing off the ball. And Harden's main value is playing on the ball. We know Harden's so brilliant in the pick and roll in isolation. Uh, Westbrook's not spacing the floor for Harden, the way CP three was, CP three was much better as a catch and shoot guy. Westbrook is really just going to take the ball out of Harden's hands, and when he has, when Westbrook does have the ball, we know he's going to make a lot of questionable decisions. He's still a really productive player, a good player, but uh, I I have sort of no idea what Houston is thinking with this trade, especially giving up two future draft picks. The twenty twenty four pick is only protected one to four, I think so. Uh, just just a totally wild trade, and Daryl Morey couldn't help himself. I think that's my main takeaway, and I saw some people speculating on Twitter, you know, Morey might be gone by the time uh, Westbrook's contract comes up in Houston. Maybe Morey's already thinking about his next move. I know he's had some uh, battles there with their new owner over just spending money. So uh, in terms of Westbrook to the Bulls, though, I didn't love the idea just because I feel like acquiring Westbrook at this point in his career – really puts a hard cap, uh, a hard ceiling on, like, how good a team can be. Obviously, Houston's thinking we're going to win the championship this year. Uh, it's totally wide open for Houston heading into this season. Houston would have been really good even without Brook. Right. Uh, so I think that, you know, that was sort of their thinking, that they're going all in for a championship right now. It didn't make any sense for the Bulls, in my opinion, uh, because – You know, There was just no clear path towards being an upper echelon team. I guess the one thing that could have happened is that Westbrook could have recruited people to Chicago, since that's the way the league works now and really the way the league's worked for the last 10 years. To me, that was the main point in favor of acquiring Westbrook. Maybe he's got some buddies around the league and he can bring them in, but... Uh, I didn't really love the idea of trading for Westbrook for the Bulls. You could make an easy argument that trading Levine, Felicio, and Dunn would have been a beneficial trade and it would have opened up a lot of opportunities for Markkinen and Carter playing with Westbrook. But I just think his contract is too hefty given the production value he adds at this point in his career. And uh, I never loved the idea of trading for Westbrook.
2: Yeah, like I said, I could have like been talked into it either way. Like I think the trade that like ESPN came up with it was kind of what you just said. It was like, Levine, uh, Dunn, Felicio, and then, like, it was I think it was, like, a protected first-rounder that would have, like, protected, like, next year and then, like, another protection. Like, Lowry protected next year and then, like, protected again the next year and then, like, unprotected the year after that. Something like that. Like, I probably could have been talked into it. Like, I mean, Dunn and Felicio are nothing. Like, one draft pick, whatever. Like, I guess the question is there, like, how much do you value Zach Levine? Like, because there's certainly an argument you made where, like, if you're high in Levine, and I, I guess I've been talking him up this summer like there's an argument to be made that like in the next two to three years, probably, that Levine will be better than Westbrook. Uh, I guess that's not guaranteed. I mean, Westbrook is clearly probably on the decline a little bit, even if he's still really good. Levine still seemingly on the upswing. Uh, he's been putting in a lot of work. I know there was an article out on Bulls.com talking about how he's he's again talking about how he's gonna get better at defense and all that stuff. So I mean like I could've if they would have pulled it off, I like I think I would have applauded the the boldness of it. I could have been talked into it. Like Russ is still a very exciting player. Uh, he'd have like, I think it'd be interesting to see him with the rest of this roster, with all the shooting that they have with Lowry, with Otto Porter jr. Like you really could have talked me into it. On the other hand, I totally understand why they didn't want to do it. Like I said, Paxson was on the score this morning, uh, basically saying like, it just doesn't really fit our timeline where we're at at this point in terms of where we're in terms of competing. And I also, I get that as well. Like you don't want to give up that much in general, you don't want to give up a guy like Zach Levine. I think that's totally fine with where the bulls are at. So like I said, I kind of see both sides of it. Part of me was hoping that they would have at least maybe looked into it a bit more. I think it would have been fun maybe even to be involved in any like legitimately involved in the rumors, but yeah, I mean, whatever. It's not definitely going to happen. Now back to your point about the rockets and talk like, kind of the desperation point I'm honestly not sure if this was Maury's to, totally Maury's doing it sounds like Russ did want to go to the Rockets so like the Thunder were trying to help facilitate that but then there was a quote in the ESPN article that was out today uh on the trade from the Rockets owner Tillman Fertitta you brought him up there was some issues with like the luxury tax and all that but he said I said at the end of the year we're never going to stand pat we're always going to try to get better I think this makes us a better team I hate to lose Chris Ball but we felt like what we had to do to become a better team I, th- I think it'll be very interesting and fun. James and Russell wanted to play together. It ought to be fun this year. Part of me also thinks that this might have been this, the owner just being like, fuck it. Like, let's, we need to do something here after what's happened in the last couple of years. And I know there's uh, one of the big things people talk about these days is like ownership is the biggest like, competitive advantage in the NBA. And uh, it seems like the Rockets owner is kind of out of his mind, kind of crazy. And like, I think like this quote is kind of is like, he's just saying like fucking YOLO, whatever, like, they wanted this to happen. We're just gonna make it happen. And I know there were also the reports about Chris Paul and Harden hating each other, how much and like that he asked for Chris Paul asked for a trade. Some of that was kind of walked back by the reporting. I do wonder how the relationship was was actually there. I, I in general, I just kind of love this trade. Like it's gonna be absolutely chaotic, fucking crazy. Uh and just after the chaos of the first week of free agency, like I'm all for it, man. This this free agency has been probably one of the craziest that I can remember.
1: Yeah, it feels like a new league, really. Like someone just hit a shuffle on the league. And yeah. really the way the NBA works today, it's like 2K. When I'm trying to make a trade on dynasty mode in 2K, I'm just loading up future first-round picks until they finally say, yes, that's the way the league works now. We saw it with the Anthony Davis trade to the Lakers. We saw it with the Paul George trade to the Clippers. Uh, And now here's the Rockets trading CP3, who might be better than Russell Westbrook. I think that the jury is sort of still out on which of those players can be more effective next year. But to trade two future first-round draft picks and two future swaps in the other years, just totally wild. The league's going to be so much fun this year. Uh, And, you know, to circle back to the Bulls, it's like what the Bulls are doing now is like hoarding all of their guys – And it's basically like when a baseball team has a really good farm system and you see the projections for like three years from the future. Oh, we're going to have this guy in center field and this prospect in right field and this prospect at second base. No one does that anymore in the NBA. In the NBA, like, this is the win now era. If you have an opportunity or a lane to make a move, you do it. You will it into existence. The Bulls are just not operating on that level, and, you know, the Bulls obviously have different stakes attached to them right now. They're rebuilding. As soon as they made the move to trade Jimmy Butler to tear it down, we knew that this is the spot they were going to be in for a few years. Uh, Hopefully, after this free agency period, the Bulls are no longer going to be one of the worst teams in the league. I think they can still be in contention uh, for a playoff spot, you know, if CP3 goes to Miami with Jimmy Butler, I think that they're certainly going to make the playoffs, and that then it's probably the Bulls, Detroit, and Orlando fighting for that last spot. But, uh, you know, I think that this this is something the Bulls should take note of. Just the way the league works, willing things into existence. You want to make a move, make it happen. Uh, this this idea of just, like, hoarding draft picks and, like, penciling each player you've taken uh, to be, you know, the future star at that position. Man, it's just not the way it happens anymore.
2: Yeah, so I think that's a perfect transition uh, into John and went on the score. I think he's been, he might've talked yesterday as well on the radio, but I saw some of the comments coming out of his uh, his, uh, little uh, media rounds today on the score this morning. And he was just kind of talking about um, just their whole, just where the bulls are at right now. And actually didn't really mind some of the stuff he was saying. He was, I feel like they kind of came out strong almost like almost with a playoff like expectation, All right, he. I mean, he. Like after the season over, like I feel like he was talking a big game about how they they want to take a big step forward. I feel like he's kind of walking that back and maybe trying to put a little more realistic, realistic spin on where they're at. So let me pull up the quote because they, like I said, he. They talked about Russell Westbrook. They asked him about it. He said basically we're not at that level yet. And there was a big quote here, uh, just kind of asking where they're at right now. And he said quote-unquote, we're looking at things realistically. We understand where we're at. Honestly, I just want our group to be competitive. I want our fan base to look at our team and say, okay, these guys are playing hard, showing us they care, and there's a real chance that if the young guys develop, this is going to be a real good basketball team. The league has changed so much. We have talked about that. It used to be sometimes you'd sign a guy to a six-year deal, guaranteed deals, and there was limited movement. And then he just goes on to talk about uh, just all the movement now in the roster, and he talked about we're trying to build this thing on our timeline. Our timeline started two years ago. And you look at the number of changes we've made; like, the significant changes, and he thinks they've upgraded the talent level. And I think a lot of it what he what he says does ring true. I know a lot of it it sounds lame. Like, I know there's fans that don't like aren't excited at all at all about what the like the free agent moves that they've made this this offseason. Like, I, I mean, I get it, I get it, but like, I don't know. I I didn't really mind the stuff he was saying this morning, like I said this morning, like. I think that is a more realistic view of it. Like they're not really that ready to compete right now. They do have to. They do have to take a step forward to being just okay before they're actually really good. Uh, So yeah, like I don't know if you heard any of that this morning or what you think of any of those comments that I just read there. But I think in general, like usually, because a lot of times when Paxton talks, I'm usually like rolling my eyes, scoffing at what he's saying. But like I found myself just kind of saying like, yeah. Uh, that's kind of right. And there was a, yeah, there was another, another quote that I retweeted this morning. He just says, we basically just have to get competitive again. And that's where we have to start. And I said this on the last pod after the, when we were talking about the free agent signings, like the bulls have to get mediocre first before they, they can actually be good. Like they're not going to go from absolute dog shit to being like a 50, 60 win team. Like it doesn't work like that, especially with the way that they're building. They have to be a competitive team first. So honestly, I kind of was totally okay with all the stuff he was saying today.
1: Yeah. The one thing that stuck out to me is the line where Paxton was like, if our young players come through with their end of the bargain, we're going to be a good team and we're going to be in position. It's like Paxton's always doing this bullshit. He's always blaming everyone but himself right now already. He's like, well, I did my job. Now it's up to Lowry Markin to become a superstar. And if he doesn't, well, not my fault. We put them in the best position to succeed and they failed. It's like Paxton, it is your fault, dude. Like, we can praise the Bulls for making these good moves at the ground floor to, like, you know, get them back into respectability. But at the same time, you look at the current core right now, and there's just no pathway to being a really good team, an actual contender in the NBA. The Bulls are still basically a joke. They're measuring themselves only against the Pistons and the Magic for the 8th seed. And Paxson loves this shit. The fact that, you know, they can possibly sneak into the 8th seed this year— I think that he would consider that a major success. You can already see him, you know, a year from now on the radio spewing a stat about how the Bulls have made the playoffs in the Eastern Conference over the last 15 years more than any other franchise or some other bullshit. Uh, They have to be held to a different standard. Like, it's good that they made some smart free agent signings. I'm glad they did it. While doing that, they also likely took themselves out of the running to draft a superstar, right? So now it's on Paxson to either trade for a superstar or to sign a superstar. Well, Paxson has failed miserably at doing this, Jason, for the last 15 years. So while we are patting the bulls on the back and we are being complimentary of the moves they've made this summer, it's like they have so much more fucking work to do. They are not even close to being in a spot where they're an actual contender and where a legit superstar would consider signing with them in free agency, the most likely scenario, Jason, is that in 2021, Giannis will do something, Kawhi and Paul George will do something, and the Bulls will sign the equivalent of Carlos Boozer. That's just what I'm going to believe until I see something different. So, uh, you know, Paxson can say that we we're not in a spot right now to make a bold move, a dynamic move. Well, Paxson loves being in the spot. Paxson loves the eight seed. Paxson loves you know, maybe trying to sneak up in the future, but not really having any pressure to do it right now. Uh, Even as I praise the Bulls over the last week or two, it's just still so frustrating the way this franchise consistently treats itself as, you know, a mid-market player or as a team that really isn't striving to compete for championships.
2: Yeah, I think to that point, like that, like this whole approaching this free agency as like basically we don't have any chance at these guys like definitely that was disappointing you mentioned the 2021 thing and Paxson did kind of reference that as well this morning uh here's a quote you want the superstars you want to do what the clippers or lakers are doing he has a that's not where the bulls re- realistic are now this was from this just the score twitter account but they could be in two years and there's the two years thing there's the tw- hashtag tw- 2021 plan, I feel like, is definitely what they're selling right now. And we had that in 2010, we had that in 2014. Uh, we might have had that in 2016 as well. Uh, so now it's the hashtag 21 2021 plan. You mentioned Giannis, you mentioned Kawhi and Paul George. I mean, right now there's really no no reason to expect that plan to actually work out that way. Uh, I know there's gonna be a ton of other possible free agents on the market. Like I think, like, depending on if they stay with their teams, like Ola CJ McCollum, like Blake Griffin. Uh, just like a whole bunch of names there. Like so, like first of all, I do think like where they're kind of at, and po- like with their young young guys, and they got Otto Porter there. His money will come off the books. They did with these signings with uh, Thaddeus Young. His contract is six million guaranteed for twenty twenty one. Saderanski five million guaranteed. So they're keeping that flexibility open, which I think is fine. If they're gonna, if this is the way they're gonna go about it with this young core, they definitely should. I feel like at least play to be in that position for twenty twenty one. Again, there's no reason to think that the Bulls will actually actually sign one of those guys because they just have never done it. So like playing the free agent game has never really really worked out for them that great. But they also can't approach 2021. where are like they don't make like they're not aggressive with other moves or they don't make other moves like like maybe even that like, I know next offseason is supposed to be sh- uh, shitty in terms of free agency. Like don't go out and overpay them. like I don't even know who's on the mark, but it's like nobody. But if there's a move that comes up, whether it's a trade in the next year or two or it's other, some other type of move, and they don't do it just because they're totally banking on 2021, I feel like that'd be a huge mistake. You can't just bank on free agency and everything coming together for you perfectly. Like You have to be ready to make moves and be aggressive, uh, and it's something we really haven't seen the Bulls do all that often. Uh, so like they did Paxton says that they weren't in a position to get a guy like Russell Westbrook now, fine. Whatever. We talked about it. We understand that a bit, but if there's some, another star that comes available in the next year or two, uh, I, I hope, I mean, I feel like they have the asset. I mean, they have intriguing young players. They have, I think most of their picks. I really hope that they're not just waiting for 2021. And I hope that if there is another star that comes on the market in the next year or two, that they actually do put forth an offer and actually act like a big boy franchise to supplement it's the other young guys like they don't have to trade everybody like they have a decent amount of young pieces like so i hope that they stay aggressive and uh on the trade market if if something comes up because you, do, like I said, you don't want to just bank on the free agency plan like like has happened in years past
1: yeah i totally agree with that it's like they have these young guys now whose value is quite frankly going to diminish if they don't improve like marketing now right now at the start of the season probably has a decently high trade value with two seasons left on his rookie deal but What if he again shows he can't be durable for a full season? What if he, you know, doesn't make improvements in his game and continues to mostly be a one-dimensional scorer? Well, then, uh, you know, he's not going to have the same value anymore. And the Bulls' plan of their young guys improving to such a level that it attracts free agents to them just isn't going to work out. So, for me, I would seriously consider making a trade. I mean, you've ripped off Washington twice already for Otto Porter Jr. and Thomas Sadoransky. Why not try to get Bradley Beal in here? If you could move Levine and some other combination of assets, Kobe White, trade him, uh, you know, I think that could, be, that could be intriguing. And White in particular, I'm not just saying this because he struggled during summer league, but uh, he is someone who to me projects to have pretty good trade value over the next few years moving forward. He's tall, he can shoot, he's young. He has the pedigree of a top 10 pick. So these are all things that typically uh, increase a player's trade value. So what I was going back to saying before about how, you know, the league just, it's not about penciling guys into positions three, four years down the line anymore. That's just a totally backwards way of thinking. Uh, The Bulls should not be doing that. Like if they can move Markinen and get a star, they should do it. If they think that star can recruit another star. If they can trade Kobe White, they can go for it. So they should go for it. So I don't know. I just don't have a lot of faith that the Bulls have any upward mobility in this rebuild. Like the spot they're at right now, which is like just good enough to make the playoffs and scrappy and tough. And that's what Paxson loves, man. Like this is the perfect Paxson position.
2: Yeah, I don't know. Like, it's, like he did kind of acknowledge, like that quote I read, part of that quote. Right, he, I feel like he did acknowledge just like how the league is changing with all this player movement. And I guess you just have to hope that that they do jump on that and then they realize that they just can't, they can't sit around. I, 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 if the Bulls like don't take that step forward next season, I feel like they have. To, I mean, first of all, if they bomb next season, like they should blow up everything. Like Paxson should fire himself, or they should fire him. Gar should be gone. They need, they should. Tr- make big trades. Like I feel like th- this season is going to be huge because they don't take a step forward at all. Like I think there needs to be a reckoning throughout the entire organization. They, they need to just make some type of move there, but I, well, that's down the line. But yeah, I mean, you just hope that with all, with the, the way the league is going with players taking so much, so much control and all the power that they have now is like, is they, it's, it's all about the players and they need to have players who are good and have, have players who are like friends with other players and who are willing to bring other guys there. So it will be interesting to see where, if the Bulls can t- can not only get to a mediocre level, which like I said, they need to get there first, but if they can get to that to that next level, and I don't know, like I I I don't know if I because we just haven't like we still just don't know with these young guys. Like they they look good that there's that there is potential there. Like we like some of these guys, but like they still have to prove it. Like I I have guys like people like angry in my mentions when i when i said like i, I tweeted out like zach low called the bulls a winner uh this offseason and we agree we talked about how great their free agency was but then he talked about how like like levine still has to prove that he's not just like an empty calorie score lowry like he looks great and all but like he he still has to actually like have the actual production and uh contributions to a winning team like i had a bunch of people mad in my mentions like levine's better than an empty calorie score like blah, blah 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 it's like dude these guys haven't done shit like they have a lot to prove still to not only just make the playoffs, but to actually be a championship. Like just think about it. just There's a huge gap between where the Bulls were last year and even being in the playoffs. Then there's another huge gap to being like a, a possible title contender. The Bulls have so much, so far still to go and pro- probably so many other moves that they might have to make. Like there's still just a long way to go. And like they, the, they, the Bulls do have to have some patience, but like they can't just kind of totally sit around and wait on everything. Like they're going to have to make some moves here. Either way, when, no matter what happens.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Like the 2021 plan, what is going to be different about that than all the other two years from now plans the Bulls have had over the past 20 seasons, right? So uh, color me a little bit skeptical, but I am excited for this year. I think that the Bulls young yeah. guys are going to have a lot of pressure on themselves. I think Markkanen has more pressure on himself than any other player on the Bulls. Uh, because, you know, right now you look at his numbers, the guy's averaging under two assists per 36 minutes, under one block, under one steal. He's scoring well, but only at average efficiencies, hitting 55% on his true shooting percentage, 36% from three. So it's like, what can Markinen do to take the next step? He can either become a lot better as a passer and as a playmaker. Obviously, if you're going to be this, uh, you know, go-to score, you need to leverage the threat of your own scoring ability to make your teammates better. He hasn't done that at all yet. Or the other thing you can do is just become really, really good at three-point shooting. If he's hitting, you know, 43% instead of 36%, suddenly he's a lot more efficient as a scorer. So these are the factors that are really going to determine uh, how good the Bulls are, not just this year, but into the future. But Paxson coming out and already being like, well, I did my job. I got Markkinen and Carter, and if they're looking good, they, we know that they're going to attract star-level free agents. It's just such broken logic to me, and it just seems destined to fail, man. And Really, the one way that the Bulls have shown their ability to build a contender is through the draft. Like They literally need the first pick in a year when it's a no-brainer who to take I know someone's going to tweet at me, oh, Michael Beasley was the projected number one in 2008, according to some people. Well, sure. But they're not going to get that first pick anymore, most likely, Jason, unless, I don't know, they get injured a lot again, and they somehow jump up the lottery standings the way the Pelicans did this year. So uh, they they did okay, but they, they just have so far to go, man.
2: Yeah, they definitely do. Uh, before, the Bulls have been playing Summer League in, in Las Vegas, we will let's transition to that. But before we do that, let's t- take a word from our sponsor. When you're selling online, getting your orders out can be a real pain. And that's why you need ShipStation.com. It's the fastest, easiest, and most affordable way to manage and ship your orders. No matter where you're selling, Amazon, Etsy, or your own website, ShipStation brings all your orders into one simple interface. ShipStation helps you get orders out quickly, save money on shipping costs, and keep your customers happy. And right now, BlueWire listeners can try ShipStation free for 60 days when you use promo code BLUE. There's absolutely no risk, and you can start your free trial without even entering your credit card info. ShipStation works with all the major carriers, including USPS, FedEx, UPS, and even Amazon Fulfillment. So you can compare and choose the best shipping solution for you and your customer. So no wonder ShipStation is the number one choice of online sellers you'll ship more in less time and with the best rates available just visit shipstation.com and click on the microphone at the top of the homepage and type in blue that shipstation.com and then enter that promo code blue shipstation.com make ship happen all right and we're back so summer league vegas uh summer league's always i guess somewhat entertaining occasionally it's it's also going to be absolutely awful basketball the the most recent bulls game that they pulled out in the end they it was absolutely hideous basketball game bulls hornets the bulls were losing losing most of the game uh terrible shooting percentages for both teams but and you obviously there's always caveats for summer league because it's just a bunch of a lot of the times the teams are bums a lot of guys that are fighting for teams rookies making their first quote-unquote nba appearances just it can be kind of a hot mess uh the bull the bulls notable players with the bulls that like kobe white obviously uh daniel gafford their two draft picks uh and then chandler hutchison has been playing and then their two-way player adam Makoka has been playing uh the rest of the roster i feel like we just don't really give a shit about i know Shaq, Shaq harrison was actually waved the bulls waived him i know he played in like the first game or two of summer league he was waived we'll see if they bring him back and maybe on like a a two-way contract if he doesn't get another contract and then uh Walter Lemon Jr. was also waived, but he's been on the team as well. But basically, basically those first three guys, Kobe White, uh, Daniel Gafford, Chandler Hardison, I did not see the first couple games, but I pretty I watched pretty closely the last couple games. What I've seen out of Kobe White, I mean, one thing that sticks out to you, obviously, the three-point percentage has been absolutely atrocious. Uh, I think he missed his first like, 11 or 12 three-pointers, uh, he, three of 26 in four games. Uh, really hasn't been that close on a lot of his threes as well uh and i think a lot of it is probably do the shot selection a lot of step back threes pull up threes and some pull up threes and like transition. so just kind of not the best shot selection that you, you're going to take uh we've kind of seen a lot of that at kobe white so just in general like his shooting and i think is at something like 35 36 percent just hasn't been the most efficient player and i feel like w- what i've seen of him just hasn't really been that surprising i think i said last uh, have said recently that I feel like I don't think Kobe White's going to be any good as a rookie. Like I feel like it's going to take a lot of time. Paxson said during his uh, radio bit today that they're going to ease him along slowly. Like obviously he'll probably compete for the starting job in camp, but like, I don't think he'll win it. Like even if Chris Dunn is gone, like Sadaransky, I would assume will probably be the starting point guard. I guess to that point, real quick, Jim Borland came out and said uh, that Chris Dunn's going to be the starting point guard. He said that we got our first five Chris Dunn starting point guard. From what I can tell, that's kind of uh, nonsense, and it was Boylan is kind of being diplomatic. Uh, I know Casey Johnson and some of the other beat guys. Cody Westerland basically said, "Yeah, like I think Boylan is just being nice to Dunn." Sounds like Saderansky. Sadransky, if Dunn's around, Kobe White will fight for the starting role. Uh, other things I saw from Kobe White, uh, I feel like he had some struggles uh, finishing in the paint against length uh and there i did see some of the good stuff in transition he had some really nifty ball handling some nifty passing in transition In half court it did like i said it did seem like a bit of a struggle finishing against bigger players at the rim it just wasn't all that pretty i know he did get to the line pretty nicely in a couple of games Seen some of the passing i thought defensively he was pretty he was pretty all right as well uh made some made some plays on defense ricky i don't know how much any highlights you've seen how many of the games you've seen and it, what I've said, does that kind of match up with Kobe White? I know like in college, like his shooting percentages weren't that great because in terms of like his pull-up shooting, step back shooting, not the best. Wasn't always known for taking the best shots, and that kind of that I feel like that kind of lines up with what I've seen here, that and just kind of struggling finishing at the basket.
1: Yeah, let's talk about the positives and negatives and just his situation uh going forward with the Bulls uh this season into the future. So I think the positives he's shown. The man is a one-man fast break, right? Like, the Bulls have been pleading with their guards to play with pace for years now. I remember Hoiberg telling D. Rose that he had to get it across by the 21-second mark back when Rose used to walk it up during uh, his last year in Chicago. So that's not going to be a problem anymore with Kobe White on the floor. He has his pedal to the floor Every single time he touches the ball. And I think that's going to have a major impact on the rest of the roster. This is a young team with guys who want to run. Levine's going to be at his best in transition. Uh, Mark and him being able to run the floor and uh, hopefully hit some transition threes. Carter's going to be able to get up and down. So I think that that's the one thing he'll bring to the table right away. Is when Kobe White's in the game, the team is going to play at a much faster tempo than they do when he's not in the game. I think that he did show some pretty crafty open floor ball handling ability. I mean, the, the thing Kobe White can do is create space off the dribble, right? He's a quick and shifty guard. Uh, he can go into his pull ups very quickly. Now, none of his shots were falling. Like you said, three of 26 from three point range. Hit 11% of his threes and 36% of his field goals. Uh, that's just atrocious to start Summer League. Uh, so, you know. This sort of matches how he was at North Carolina, too. He was only in the 27th percentile as a pull-up shooter at UNC as a freshman. Uh, If you looked at his clips, a lot of smart people believe that he had room to improve uh, as a pull-up shooter. I certainly think he still does. Clearly, he does, but he's rough right now. And so he's going to have to learn to, like, corral that pace. It's one thing to play fast, but you also have to play under control. That's going to be one of the biggest things for Kobe. I also thought that... Uh, he was okay as a passer. I mean, you'll you'll see clips going around online of him, like, locking into his first read in the pick and roll. He definitely has to see the floor better. But I think the fact that he likes to play the game in transition and semi-transition, I think the NBA in general is, is typically played more in transition and semi-transition than purely in the half court maybe in the playoffs it's purely in the half court Uh, but in the regular season Kobe should be able to find some ways to make the game easier on him uh, just by getting out and running and when that happens I think he will be able to make some good decisions now he's not going to be like a masterful pick and roll point guard in the half court hopefully that's an area where he can improve but uh, I thought that you know the, the shooting is obviously the biggest disappointment the thing that I want to keep an eye on with him is the power he generates going to the rim on his drive. He just doesn't generate power the way that probably like Damian Lillard does, you know, where you can absorb contact at the rim and still finish. Uh, He just doesn't have that type of strength. Doesn't have that type of explosiveness. So if that's the case, and if he's not going to be someone who's going to be finishing through contact at the rim, he's really, his whole value will be tied to how good he is as a pull-up shooter. And right now he's terrible as a pull-up shooter. So, uh, you know, that sounds like a negative view of it, but I still think Kobe has a lot of outs to become a productive player. The thing is that uh, you can play him at the two this year. He's going to have no pressure this year at all. Like, you play him in so many different looks. You can play him with Levine in the same time in the backcourt, or you can play him with Sadoransky, or Archie Diacono, uh is, you know, a guy who's getting back a point guard minutes. Play him with him. Like, you can ease his transition – in so many different ways and everything Kobe White gives you this year to me is great. Uh, we've seen even players who haven't put up big numbers in their first couple of years, they still retain trade. Value. Great. So I think that uh, this year is nice for him in that he has no pressure on him. No one's counting on him to be even a day one contributor on this team. And hopefully he can just grow into being a scoring NBA guard and he can grow into the point guard role because uh right now it's going to be a work in progress but that's fine because the bulls actually signed some good players this offseason so kobe white will not uh really make that big of a difference on the team this year that's my initial read on it
2: yeah i totally agree i will say uh while his shooting his three-point shooting was awful he did have he has had a decent amount of success with his pull-up and step back mid-range shots and it seems like he does a pretty nice job of getting separation on those uh pretty pretty easily obviously summer league caveat supply like against better defenders won't be as easy but he was getting to his spots and like those mid-range shots obviously we don't want him falling in love with those kind of shots not the best shots and usually just in general those aren't that efficient but he was shooting those pretty well and getting some good looks on those in summer league so that was that was definitely a positive and like
1: there uh And and that is important, I want to say, because remember, Kemba Walker was the same way for like the first six years of his career. He was a great pull-up mid-range shooter, but he couldn't pull up from three. Now that's all Kemba Walker does, is pull up from three. So uh, it's going to be a long career for Kobe. I just wouldn't expect him to move the needle too much. Uh, his rookie year and i also think you know if they get in a position where they can get bradley beal or another superstar i think that he's going to retain a lot of trade value
2: yeah i totally agree with you and uh oh, definitely saw some of the other good stuff as well i mean you saw the stuff in transition uh and i know that, i mean the ringer wrote an article calling him uh the most impressive lottery pick that, that was the headline like i would kind of disagree with that i mean jackson hayes has been ridiculous for the pelicans he was basically murdered somebody in the bulls pelicans game i'm sure you saw that dunk all over twitter uh and like all the other lottery this summer league has been kind of a huge dud He's like zion got hurt in the first game Morant's not playing culver was held out uh who else like barrett has been kind of fucking terrible uh just so like kobe was almost like one of the better ones by default even though he's kind of struggled but he like i said he had has had his moments there was my favorite play of his from the games that i saw like in transition he was got out and running he did a little dipsy-do like behind the back pass to get to the basket separation and then found an open three-point shooter. The guy cashed a three-point shot. Like those kind of reads and that kind of niftiness in the open court was really impressive, and that's one of the big reasons why he went seven overall. That kind, of, kind of playmaking and and quickness in the open court to get those kind of looks for not only himself and others. Uh was pretty impressive play. Uh, moving on, Daniel Gafford, in, very impressive in general. He was a second-round pick. 38th overall and when the when, uh, in our post-draft uh, pod. We were just kind of like, you know, de- like fine pick, like decent player. He was initially, after his freshman year, he was possibly going to be a lottery pick. He went back to Arkansas, put up solid numbers, but just kind of, I guess, just didn't impress scouts enough, and he fell all the way to the second round. Probably been the Bulls' best player in Summer League in this last game. He put up a 20 and 10. It was like a plus 15. Uh, he's just kind of been all over the place on defense, just protecting the rim, blocking a ton of shots. I know his first game, like his, the first possession of summer league was a Kobe white to Daniel Gafford. alley oop dunk was a really nice play. Nice read by Kobe. Nice dive to the basket. And kind of what we've seen has been what was kind of expected out of Daniel Gafford, just around the rim, absolute dominant dunking all over everybody, blocking tons of shots. Just the activity level has been really impressive. Uh, it was the pelicans game while the bulls got the raspy by the pelicans and jackson hayes was dunking on everybody and nick alexander walker was absolutely dominating that game on both ends gafford i think he had like six blocks of that game so he made a little impact himself i uh, just in general like he's he's just been really solid like i already i'm willing to put him in front of Cristiano felicio in the rotation like obviously when a, playing in the nba will be different than playing in summer league and the, the athleticism factor won't be as big of an advantage but like the activity levels there the length I feel like the t- just the timing and instincts of his defense and blocking shots, like Felicio just doesn't really have that kind of uh, rim protection ability. And I think just having that as a backup center would be really, really nice if you could just be block shots and rim run and and get out and run when you have Kobe White, Zach Levine, and these other guys. Like I feel like Gafford in spot minutes as a rookie, maybe he will be able to make a little impact. Like I kind of assume that he would just be a G League guy for most of the year, and maybe he will be since they do have Luke Cornett as well as a backup. Five, But I mean, the way he was looking in summer league, if he can tra- tra- translate any of that to the NBA, like I think he can make an impact and at least a, a, a little, as maybe a fifth big even.
1: Yeah, it's a simple game for Daniel Gafford. I think yeah. run and jump big. He's not really going to yeah. have any ball skill whatsoever. He's not going to put the ball on the floor not at all. <laughs> uh, he's not going to make any plays as a passer. Really, I think that that's a, you know, a big hole in this game right now. He doesn't really pass the ball whatsoever. He's not going to shoot it from the outside either. So basically what he's going to do is set a hard screen at the top of the key, dive to the basket. Hopefully you hit him with the lob. Otherwise, uh, you f- he's able to find a crease inside the defense to lay the ball in. So that's going to be his offensive game. Defensively, I think he lacks the lateral quickness of a prospect like Jackson Hayes, who, oh my God, he's yeah. looked unbelievable <laughs> so far for the Pelicans. I wouldn't be surprised now if he ends up being the second best player in this whole draft, right? Just after seeing the stretch in Summer League. We knew he had that type of freaky athleticism. Uh, in in a league where everyone's moving faster and playing faster, it's like, this guy might be the fastest seven footer I've ever seen. Uh, just that agility and like those n- the nimbleness of his feet. Gafford doesn't have that, but what Gafford does have is a stronger yeah. base. Uh, defensively. He's not going to be pushed around the way that someone like Jackson Hayes is going to be. And I think that he'll probably be more productive as a rookie because of that. Uh, I think that Gafford can possibly give the Bulls some good minutes this year. I'm sure he's going to spend a lot of time in Hoffman States with the G League team. But uh, Gafford to me was a high floor pick in the second round. And I do think that just based off his physicality and his tenacity that uh, he should be able to carve out a little bit of a career for himself, which is more than you can say for some of the Bulls' other second-round picks like Eric Murphy, Cameron Hairstal. We can go down the line. I, I have faith that Gafford is going to be a better player than those guys.
2: Yeah, I mean, he already looks just way better. Like I said, best player on the Summer League team, it seems like. And yeah, the Jackson Hayes thing. Like I did not know much about him. I know when we had uh John Wasserman on, he called him. I think he was at fifth on his big board, like. I totally, and the Bulls were rumored to be interested. Like, I totally get it now. Just like the, like the Bulls game was just like him and Nick Alexander Walker were just, just like far and away the best players on the court. Just the athleticism just popped off. Like, that was absolutely inc- just an incredible showing. I think he showed up like the next game, him and uh, Nick Alexander Walker again, just completely dominated. Like, they, were, the Pelicans fucking murdered this draft. Like, the, Zion was hurt the first game and these last couple games, like, Hayes and Nick Alexander Walker completely dominated the Pelicans have won these games by like 20, 30 points. If they, if like, though, if that actually translated and they get Zion, Jackson, Hayes, and Nick Alexander Walker out of this draft, like f- fucking David Griffin is a goddamn magician. So kudos yeah. to them <laughs> for that. Um, and Dan, yeah, Daniel Gafford, really solid, been really impressed by him. I'm, I'm glad that, that he's shown really nicely. Uh, moving on to the last, I guess Bulls real player of interest. I guess re- real quick, Anna Makoka actually hit a few threes. I'm pretty sure when they signed when they signed him, they said he was a terrible shooter. Uh, but he hit a few threes. He's looked all right. Nothing too special. But on to the other, uh, the last Bulls, I guess, real guy of interest here. That's Chandler Hudson, uh, and he's looked fucking absolutely terrible, absolutely awful. I do want. i I do want to give him i do want to give him some slack he obviously missed basically the last half of last season he had that weird toe injury which was this was another like bulls injury where it's like oh he'll be out a little bit you know like i think it was one of those where like he'll be out like a month or two like we'll revalue him around the all-star break and then he ended up like missing the rest of the year and it was like way worse than it was initially reported and just like just real goofy stuff so like he has not played in a while he missed he's coming back from an injury i get it but like chaderson's 23 years old he was a four-year college player second year pro like i was really hoping even with the injury i was really hoping to see more and he's just he's just really tough to watch in half court situations he we talked about get, kobe white getting out and running Chandler hudson's hudson's like only value offensively is getting out and running like he can get he was he looks really good really athletic when he's getting out in transition uh he nice lu from kobe white he, he had a few other plays in transition nice nice finishes but Get him in the half court, and he's just—he spent like this entire summer, like driving into the teeth of defense and throwing up just the ugliest fucking shots you'll ever see. Like a couple games ago, which was the first summer league game I watched. I think the first summer league game he played, the Bulls, when the Bulls beat the Lakers, he was—he was fine. Uh, but the game against—I want against the Pelicans with Jackson Hayes, just Hayes was just engulfing him. I think—I think Hutchinson was the one who got blocked by Jackson Hayes' elbow when he was going up for a layup in, uh, on the break. And just all these other times, just driving into the defense, throwing up ugly shots. His three point, his ju- just no threat from like beyond the arc at all. I think he's missed missed all of his or most of his jumpers as well. So just like just a really disappointing showing for him. And like and the Bulls right now, you look at their depth chart. Like at, on the wing, it's Levine and Porter. And then like I mean, if they keep done, I guess you can consider him a wing. Kobe White's kind of a wing, but more of a point guard. Kriston as well. So like. I feel like they're going to be relying on important minutes for Hutchinson. and like right now, like I know he can still be a good defender. He is that he is long, decently athletic, but like watching him play offense in the summer league has been really tough to watch. Just the amount of just shots around the rim that just don't even come close. Like it's been tough.
1: Yeah, I feel like that was totally a Gar pick, right? I, I just think that I promise. I, what?
2: The promise they promised him at 22.
1: Right, yeah, they promised him early. Uh, Gar has roots in the in like you know those conferences of college basketball. Uh, he has no shake to his game whatsoever. He's the most rudimentary straight line drive handle you'll ever see, and he's got no pull up game and no catch and shoot game. So he looks like a basketball player when he walks into a room because he's six foot seven. He's got broad shoulders and long arms and he can run, but he really can't do anything else. So right now the Bulls are looking at Otto Porter as their three. Their backup's Chandler Hutchison. They have no one behind him. This bull season could be a disaster very quickly if Otto Porter, who is the Bulls' best player, gets hurt. And Hutchison has to play a lot of minutes at the three. Uh, I don't know what they would do in a situation like that. They're totally ill-prepared for it. They'd probably make another move and find some patchwork guy uh, to fill in. but. Man, I'm just not high on Hutchison right now, but prove me wrong, man. You know, prove me wrong. He's, he's a handful right, of yeah. games in the NBA, I guess, at this point. Didn't get a full season last year. Uh, what is he going to turn 24 years old this year? And in, in April, he'll turn 24. Yes. So this is going to be his age 23 season. Uh, I would love to see improvement out of Chandler Hutchison. I would love to see him be just a rotation piece, a seventh man, an eighth man. Mm -hmm. I think that that would be really nice if the Bulls could get that out of Hutchison. Uh, But it currently appears that he is a long way away from that because as a sophomore in the summer league, at 23 years old, you should be a lot better than the type of numbers Hutchison was putting up, shooting 29% from the field uh shooting 12 percent from three only, like he averaged 13 points he was actually good in their third game their third and final game or, or his third and final game i should say but the first two are just a disaster so uh you no, know, it's tough it's like he he to me has to make his impact as a defensive player first. carve out your role yeah. in the defensive end that's what butler once did and then he built his offensive skill set because uh, right now like hudgerson's not going to handle the ball he's not really going to shoot it he's not going to pass it so what the hell does he do
2: yeah. I don't want to totally bury the guy. Like, I just don't like, he still could have some value. just like, it's just been, it's just been tough. And like, even this third game, like he put up pretty good numbers, He got to the line a bit, but a lot of it's just, again, those straight line drives were like he was just kind of throwing the ball at the rim and like he was getting some contact, like against summer league players that can work in the NBA, if against like better defenders, like he just doesn't have, doesn't have it. So like have to hope he gets a little better, shake some of the rust off from this injury. Like I said, I don't want to totally bury the guy but if there isn't that improvement and he's like only a def- decent, like defensive player. And they said, if out of porter gets her, we talk so like in general. So we have, we have Porter, we have Hutch, like Denzel. So there, we can't rely on Denzel Valentine either. Like, I feel like they, they need another wing. And like, that's where the Chris Dunn, like, I know they've been talking about Chris Dunn stuff. There was, there was a rumor out there that Casey Johnson reported about possible sign and trade for bringing Justin holiday back, which is like hilarious after the, the bulls kind of fleece the Grizzlies in that Justin holiday trade last year. So like, I mean, and Justin Holiday is like, not even that good. Like I would be, I guess I would be fine with that if they did that, but I don't think it's going to happen now because the Grizzlies just signed Tyus Jones to an offer sheet that the Timberwolves didn't match. So I don't think the Grizzlies really have much interest in Chris Dunn at this, at this point anymore, but like, I feel like they, they need another wing. And even if they don't trade Chris Dunn, Antonio Blakeney is still sitting there with like a minimum contract who doesn't give you anything. There's no reason for Blakeney to be on this roster, wave blakeney go sign a veteran wing shooter I, I would take somebody brought up to me the other day vince carter go try to sign vince carter he can still play like 10 15 minutes a game on the wing like obviously you don't want to play, play him big minutes but i feel like they they need another body there because if hutch is bad and porter if he gets hurt at all like that could just like you said that could get real ugly on the wing there now yeah David waba's out there they bring him back they they need something else there i don't like just get rid of Blakeney. Try to find a trade for Dunn. They and Paxson did admit it. Like when I know like Boylan talked about Chris Dunn being part of the first five. And Paxson even said the other day when I, Casey asked him like about Chris Dunn's status, he's like you know like if there's a chance where we can uh, make a move like for for help on the wing, like we have to take advantage. Like I, and I feel like it still seems like the writing is on the wall with Chris Dunn that he's not going to be here. That the Bulls are trying to make a move somehow. I just don't know where that's going to happen. Uh, but yeah, they they need something else there on the wing, especially if Hutch isn't going to improve much. But, like I said I don't want to bury him in general or to- totally like he's still second year in the league. Got injured the first year. We'll see. Hopefully, there's a lot, but hopefully that we we see some legitimate improvement moving forward. Um. Besides that, I think that's basically it. Like we touched on those main three guys. Like uh, I, I think the Bulls might have another summer league game because they did not qualify for the tournament. I believe the top eight teams in Vegas qualified, the, qualified for, the tur- for the tournament, but I believe that they do get like a consolation game. So I think there might be one more game. I'm not honestly totally sure. I was trying to find this out earlier. It would be nice to watch see these guys play one more game. See if they can go out on. Another solid solid note. I know they're coming off a win, but the last game was kind of ugly in terms of the shooting. Uh, but in general, like I feel like Kobe White's been up and down, some nice stuff. Basically what I expected. Gafford's been good. Hutch's been bad. So I mean just kinda normal summer league stuff. Remember, as always, all summer league caveats apply. Like we've seen star players. We saw Derek Rose suck in summer league. We saw Steph Curry suck in summer league. We saw Trey Young last year suck in summer league. Just because the guy struggles in summer league doesn't necessarily mean he's gonna be be awful in the nba just because the guy's great in summer league doesn't mean he's going to be great in the nba but it's always good fun to see these guys get out in there there get out there and play uh we yeah, have besides that like i don't think the bulls have too much more to do besides a possible chris dunn trade besides maybe another adding another wing so i think we're, we're gonna be en- entering into the uh kind of the down part of the year I'll take a little break it's always kind of nice after the crazy free agency season so i guess we'll see uh and then we'll in the next couple of months, we'll we'll get ramped up again.
1: Yeah, I think that uh, finally NBA news is going to die down a little bit, but who knows, man? We might even have one more uh, big trade around the league at some point before the season starts.
2: Maybe Kevin Love. Yeah, Maybe Kevin Love will get traded. I don't know. I feel like he's been he's been a lot right. of trade talks. But yeah, right, uh, but yeah. So that'll. I think that's good. I think that's good. Um, as so as always, shout out to Blue Wire Blue Wire Pods. Go follow us on Twitter at Blue Wire Pods. Uh, go check out all the other good podcasts on Blue Wire. We've been adding a ton of good pods. There's a ton of good NBA pods out there. Please, for us, cash considerations, go rate and review us. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and all that good stuff. Uh, so, from Jason and Ricky, uh, have a good have a good one, guys, and we'll we'll see if anything else crazy happens in these these next few weeks.